Good morning, everyone. My name is Tim Harris, pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. Welcome to you. It's a pleasure to, uh, to be a part of worship with you. All of you joining us by video, Perry, Oklahoma, The Overflow, we love you uh, guys so much. Open your Bibles with us, and, and let's look to see how God will speak to us today. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 is where we'll begin. Yeah, preachers preaching on money today. Um, I, I just am. If you're a guest here this morning, I want you to understand that, uh, that if you think that all preachers do is talk about money, uh, you, you don't know this preacher, at, at least you don't know me. Um, I, I am not that preacher. I don't preach about money all the time. I, I don't harp on it. It's not something we bring up uh, all together that much at, at Woodburn Baptist, primarily because on the one hand, I don't have to. I have spent a lot of years growing up and, and also leading at Woodburn Baptist Church. I'll be the first to say uh, I have learned uh, the discipline of stewardship from you folks. You have taught me great lessons in generosity. I strive in my personal life to be like some of you in giving. And I say that from the bottom of my heart. Some of you are the ones I want to be like when it comes to generosity and, and giving. I am blessed to be in a congregation that is so giving and, and that truly seems to have spiritual priorities in order. However, uh, at the same time, Scripture has a lot to say about money, about spiritual treasures, uh, about treasures here on earth. And, and I would be a bad pastor if I didn't lead you to, uh, to the full counsel of God's word on your treasure and, and possessions. Having said that, there is sometimes a, a tremendous pressure not to preach on money. I know that some people really don't like it. I know that some people resent it. I know that no matter how often or, or, or how often I don't preach on giving, somebody will still say that's all he talks about is money. Uh, I understand that, but I also think that's interesting. And stop and think about that. There are just really a few things in, in, in my life as a pastor that there's pressure not to talk about, it, and they tend to be money and sex. If I preach on either of those, somebody says, that's all you talk about. There's this tremendous pressure not to mention money from the pulpit, and the pressure tends to come from the world, from the society. The pressure sometimes comes from people in, in the pews. And I just find that curious, just curious that there's some things that perhaps you wish I wouldn't preach on because I find that in life the things that we don't like to talk about the things that we don't talk about those things sometimes come to have a great spiritual or psychological power in our lives in your family the things that are unspeakable probably feel unmanageable I just tend to find that the things we don't like to talk about are often the very things we need to listen and, and, and talk about especially when it comes to the wisdom of God's word money's one of those things it's one of those things that, that if you wish I wouldn't talk about it, if it makes you uncomfortable when I talk about it, there's a pretty good chance this is the one place you really need to hear a message. Uh, so I encourage you to listen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. No matter how much you think I talk about it, Jesus actually talked a lot about money. And Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 is one of, uh, one of his good lessons. Let's listen to what Jesus says. Matthew 6, 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. 
when your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. Does anybody understand what we're talking about now? This gets complicated. We'll come back to it. Verse 23. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. That's difficult. Those two verses are hard. We'll come back to that. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. Take your seats. Jesus knows the human heart better than anybody. Jesus knows how we are. He knows how we are made. He knows how our hearts tend to run after certain things. Jesus understands us. And and so keep your Bibles open. Verse 19, Jesus says very simply, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rest destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Instead, store your treasures in heaven. Understand, Jesus knows fully that we are people who are attracted to treasures. And Jesus knows fully that we're going to store up treasures. He understands that. The issue is not whether or not we will, because he knows we will. But it becomes an issue of where will you store them? Where will you place your things of value? What are you going to do with what you have? What are you going to do with your, your treasure? So let's break that down a little bit. What is a treasure? What does he mean by, by treasure? Let me give you an example. Hang on to your breakfast on this because this is kind of awesome and gross at the same time. This is one man's treasure. This is a man named Graham Barker who lives in Western Australia, a place called Perth. He lives in Perth, Australia. He has a very interesting obsession. This is his treasure. He, he meticulously collects and catalogs this substance. Do you know what it is? It is. It's the, uh, the lint out of his belly button. Yeah, I'm sorry, people. I, I mean, I, it's just, uh, it's what it is. He, he keeps it in, uh, in pickle jars and labels it by year. You'll notice there, that's uh, in, in this far jar to the left, that is what, uh, nine years worth of navel lint. Uh, here in uh, six years in the middle, he had a pretty good six years there of pink uh, fluff. And then 2001 to the present, he's, he's uh, a little bit low. Um, it's his treasure. He collects the fuzz out of his own belly button meticulously. He, he values this. He thinks this is important. Now, if you do a little bit of research, you'll discover that most everybody's belly button collects fuzz. Apparently, men more than women. Somehow glad to know that. (laughs) Men more than women. Large men more than small men. And if you're a man with a very hairy belly, you'll collect a lot of it. Gross. (laughs) Graham Barker collects all of it. He saves it. He tries to... um, meticulously clean it before he stores it. But you know good and well that when this man dies, when this man dies, the first thing his children and grandchildren will throw away, they'll be calling the hazmat team, do you understand? They will be throwing this mess out. The old saying goes, one man's 
trash is another man's treasure? This is definitely one man's treasure. We would all say, no, why? Why? Why would you save that? Why would you collect that? Why would you think that that's worth anything? Okay, stop right now and listen to something very important I'm going to say. Very, very important. It's all naval fluff. Do you understand? Understand what I'm telling you? It's all belly button fuzz. It's all naval wind. Whatever it is that you treasure, whatever it is that that you send your heart out after, whatever it is that you save your money to buy, whatever it is that you polish and you store away, whatever it is that you count and collect and value more than anything else, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it is your money. Maybe it's your collection of Russian nesting dolls. Whatever it is in your life, do you understand? It's all about the same as Graham Barker's belly button fuzz. It has the same value. This is the lesson that you simply have to understand in order to have any kind of wisdom whatsoever for life. You've got to understand what's valuable. We have this tremendous capacity to never ever grasp what truly has worth. And that is why in our lives we tend to chase after things that have no worth. We attribute great worth to things that are worthless. And it makes us live like fools. We live like fools. Jesus uses a a particular kind of logic here. Don't store up treasures for yourselves. And that's the key part of the verse here. Don't store up treasures for yourselves here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. What's Jesus saying? Whatever, whatever it is that you try to store up on earth, whatever it is in this life that you attribute great worth to, you understand, if you can store it up here for yourself on earth, Jesus just wants to remind you that it doesn't last. It has no worth because it doesn't last. Anything you name on earth, I'm talking about the car that you love. You just love a new car. You love that new car smell. Do you understand? It doesn't matter if you get a car with new car smell. In two years, all cars smell like nicotine and Cheetos. It's just the nature of everything in this earth. The house that you love so much, the house that you wish you lived in, you think you need more room, you think you need wall-to-wall carpet, don't you understand? When you die, they'll walk into your house, look at your carpet and think, oh, what was she thinking? Did you understand? It's worthless. All of it is worthless. Jesus says, why would you do this? Why would you try to store up for yourselves wealth on earth? Because none of it lasts. None of it lasts. One of the new trends in burial traditions here in the United States is they make caskets now with little drawers. It just cracks me up. Go ahead and bury me in one, folks, because this is going to crack me up. Little drawers like you're going to put your stuff in it. Like your cell phone. You understand? When you die, we will stop calling you. And please don't text us. What's the drawer for? What are you taking with you? 
absolutely nothing. Don't you understand? Your existence really has sort of three movements, three parts. It's like a play with Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3. And this present life, this moment for you, the 60, 70, 80 years that you may have on this earth, that's just Act 1. This is the first phase, the first stage of your existence. And from our perspective, it seems like an awfully long time. It's your entire life, as we would say. But understand, it's really just act one. You have a much longer existence, and life on this earth is just the first part of it. It seems long to us at times, but it's just act one. Act two is what they call the judgment. It's appointed for us once to die, and after this, the judgment. You're going to live on this earth, then you will die, and then you will be judged. You will stand before God one day. You don't like to think about that, perhaps, but it's the truest thing I can possibly tell you. That at the end of this life, you will stand before the God who made you, and you will give an account for everything that you did, everything that you said. You will give an account for what you did with the gospel, the good news of salvation through Christ. You're going to answer for all of this, you understand? And everything God gave you, do you understand? You're going to give an account. You're going to be judged one day by the only one in the place to judge you, and that is the God who made you. That's act two. Act one is this life. Act two is your judgment. And then act three is eternity. Eternity. Do you understand? Eternity. We talk about everlasting life. It it really doesn't even begin to sink in to our minds because we can't fathom eternity. But we're going to live forever. This is the point. And this 70, 80, 90 years on this earth is just the smallest, the smallest, smallest part of your existence. You can't become fascinated with it. You can't lose sight of the fact that this life is short and temporary and nothing lasts about it. But eternity is forever. This is exactly what Jesus is trying to do. You understand, the problem with your financial advisors is not that they don't help you think big picture. It's not that they don't help you plan long term. It's just that they're not helping you plan long term enough. Listen to how Jesus plans. He says, don't store up treasures for yourselves down here where moth and dust and rust corrupt. Instead, store up treasures in heaven, in eternity. See, everything gets its value, not by how it's evaluated and traded here in this life, but how it's evaluated in eternity. A few months ago now, we were in Honduras. It's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to, uh, to be on mission there. As I was leaving Honduras, as our family was leaving Honduras, people began to tell us, now listen, when you leave, you got to have cash in your pocket. Cash. I'm thinking, what's the cash for? And they said, the exit tax. Honduras, they'll just let you get off the plane and walk in, but if you want to leave, you got to pay money. It's an exit tax, and they only take cash. And so we got the cash. It was 30-something, nearly $40, something like that, and you had to have cash in your hand. And so I had American dollars, and American dollars are good everywhere. Do you understand that? And so I stepped up to the window. We're leaving in just a few minutes. I mean, seriously, going to get on a plane and come back home to the United States. I put my 30-something dollars through the window, 
this wonderful Honduran lady took my American dollars. Turns out I, I gave her too much money. I don't know exactly what it was supposed to cost, but, but I gave her more than she needed. So she gave me back change in Lempira, like in her money. I gave her good money. I gave her American money. She gives me back Honduran money and change. Okay, this is a little frustrating, primarily because of what? I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm going to walk straight from that window to that airplane right there with no opportunity to spin Limpira. I brought them home. It's just sitting in a bowl on our dresser. It's worthless. Why is it worthless? Because you can't really spend it here. Limpira is good in Honduras. If I were going to spend a lot of time in Honduras, I'd probably want a lot of Limpira. Do you understand? But the point is, I was only going to be there such a short time. I was going to be back home in the United States soon, and I'm going to be here longer. That's why the money she's given me was just sort of worthless to me. And you understand, this is the kind of point that Jesus is making. All of the treasures that you're accumulating now, like you've really got something. The money you're sticking away in the bank, and you feel so rich, you feel so secure. The car you're driving, you feel like a big lady. You feel like a rich man. You feel so great with all of your stuff, but you don't understand. You're not going to be here very long. You're just not going to be here very long at all. But you're going to be in heaven or hell. You're going to be in eternity soon and for much longer. Soon and for much longer. So you really need to learn to begin evaluating things on the basis of what it's going to be worth up there, what it's going to be worth in eternity. You learn to evaluate what things are worth by asking yourself, what's it going to be worth in eternity? Did you understand? In eternity, it will never matter if your car was rusty. In eternity, it will never matter if you always dressed in style. In eternity, it will never matter, never ever matter if you had wrinkles in your forehead. In eternity, it will never matter whether or not you had a fenced-in back porch. In eternity, none of these things will ever, ever matter. Jesus says, don't, just stop. Storing up for yourselves treasures on earth. Instead, store up treasures for eternity. You, you, you invest in the things that have true worth. And the only things that have worth will be the things present in eternity. So, so what are those things? If my car and my clothes and my house and my cell phone and all of these gadgets, if none of these things have true worth, what has worth? What's going to last forever? What's going to be present in eternity? Well, honestly, all of the things of God and, and, and people, people, that the clothes don't last, but the soul inside the clothes, it lasts forever. It has to do with people. Jesus says, if you've done it for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you've done it for me. Do you want to invest in eternity? Then you start investing in others. You understand? Which brings us to this, these two verses in the middle of this passage that honestly, I don't know how anybody would ever understand this without having it explained. Verse 22, 
Jesus is still talking about treasure here. He's still talking about treasure, about money. And he says, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Excuse me? What in the world does that mean? Obviously, Jesus is trying to use some sort of metaphor, and it's a metaphor for sight and blindness. And he's trying to say that, obviously, some people, when it comes to money and treasure, are are, are blind. They're in darkness, but they don't even know that their lives are darkened. But, but, But what does it mean? What's it mean to have a good eye and a bad eye? Well, just remember, Jesus is Jewish. And Jesus has memorized large portions of the Old Testament. Jesus is a walking catalog of Old Testament knowledge. Understand that. He was a Jewish rabbi. He knew God's word. He knew the Old Testament. And Jesus is using a a Jewish way of speaking here that honestly you and I would never understand unless somebody explained it. So let me explain it. Turn back into the Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 9. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 9. Proverbs, of course, originally written in the Hebrew language. Jesus knows Hebrew. Jesus would have read Proverbs in the Hebrew. Just understand. So Proverbs chapter 22, verse 9 says this. Blessed are those who are, say the word, Generous. Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. Understand, the Hebrew word there is not generous, it's good eye people. I know that sounds weird to us. But in the Jewish mind, generous was described by saying you got a good eye. Good eye. The good eye people are generous people. Now, by the same token, turn over a few pages to chapter 28, verse 22. Proverbs 28:22 is a verse that begins bad eye people bad eye people 28:22 greedy people try to get rich quick but they don't realize they're headed for poverty so understand in the Jewish mind in the Jewish language a bad eye person was a greedy person and a good eye person is a generous person now go back to me to Matthew chapter 6 Jesus says Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. If your eye is good, what's he saying? If you're generous, if your eye is good, then your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, what's he saying? You love money, you're greedy. If your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Understand what he's saying now? Understand? He's talking about how you see things, how you see the world. And some people see the whole world through greedy eyes. In other words, everything they look at, every situation, every circumstance of life is somehow seen as an opportunity to get something for themselves. That's a bad eye person. And Jesus says that person's life is so dark in ways they'll never even understand. But because if you're that person... 
you don't even realize, you don't even realize how really broken you are. If you're that person that just sees everything as an opportunity to get more for yourself, if you get birthday money from grandma and that just is always an opportunity to run to Target and buy something for yourself, you understand? If you get a bonus from work, if you get a paycheck and that's always just an opportunity to buy a TV one size larger, your living room is already like a drive-in theater, but you want a bigger TV. Do you understand? If, if everything is just an opportunity to, to, to increase your standard of living, then Jesus says your life is darkened in ways you don't even understand. Because there's another way to live your life. This is what Jesus recommends. It's, 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 it's the way good-eye people live, generous people in other words, every situation, every circumstance is an opportunity not to get something for myself, but to give something. Gifts, it's an opportunity to give something to someone else. Jesus says, this is how my people live. It's, it's generosity. It's living a life with light. It, it, it's walking in the light as Jesus is the light. Do you understand? It's, it's a whole different way to live. And honestly, it's not something prized in our culture. Well, Brother Tim, obviously now you're talking to the rich people. You're talking to people that got money because we just don't have that much money at our house. You know, we're just scraping by, barely getting by. Stop a minute. Are you kidding me? Put your iPhone on silence and listen to me. Do you understand? Even children in this room, and you say, you must be talking to grown-ups because I don't have a lot of money. Do you have a piggy bank at home? I'm talking to the little ones. Do you have a piggy bank at home? If you have a piggy bank with pennies, nickels, dimes, and quarters, you understand that piggy bank in your room, little one, is more money than many, many families around the world will see this month, maybe this year. For some people, you're already holding in your bank more money than they'll see in their entire lives. Can you even let that sink in? The children in this room have access to more money than people, entire populations in other countries. The, the child in your house, and you're trying to tell me you don't have money, you don't understand. You don't understand who you are. You don't understand where you live. You don't understand what treasure is. When we were in Honduras, my wife Casey, who's a nurse, was going house to house teaching basic first aid in Spanish, since she doesn't speak Spanish, God bless her, it was awesome. Casey walked into a house where a woman was, was baking a, a cake. And when I say cake, you can't picture Riley's Bakery, you know, that kind of cake. It, it, was a, it, was, it was a sweet bread, but it smelled wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And understand that this is a woman in poverty, a woman in poverty. But Casey says, my goodness, whatever you're baking, it smells wonderful. It just smells so good. That's all Casey said. And then she went through her first aid lesson to taught the woman what she needed to know. And then uh, later we were leaving. As we were leaving, this woman comes running out after Casey. What do you think she was bringing? Yeah, the cake. This woman in poverty, understand this cake would have been really, really important to her family. But this woman in poverty saw this as an opportunity to give. So she gave us, you understand, she gave us a cake. We have so much food. We, we live with so much food. But here's a woman who saw an opportunity to give. And I'm telling you, that there's something beautiful about that. There's something in that that we should want to imitate. We who have so much to give away, 
so much to share. We don't look at the world that way, and this is what Jesus says. It's like we're bad-eye people. We're people that just don't see the opportunities to give and to share. What do you think you're going to do with all the clothes in your closet? What do you think you're going to do with all of your money? What do you think you're going to do that really matters? Come to the end of the scripture with me. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. No one can serve two masters. On the one hand, money, it's, it's just paper. It's just metal. They say now a penny is not even worth a penny. We, we just... We just leave pennies at the cash register now because it's not even worth keeping in your pocket. I mean, on the one hand, it's, it's just, you know, paper and, and metal. It's a plastic card. But understand, because Jesus understands that, that this is more than just paper. It's more than just possessions. This is a spiritual force in our lives. It's a spiritual force. That's why you get so uncomfortable when the preacher talks about it. There's a spiritual force behind this. There's, there's a tug on your heart. I mean, you can sit right here and you th can think about, wow, it, it would be nice maybe to be more generous. Maybe I could give more of, of my stuff away. Maybe I could give more to support ministries. Maybe I could give more to help the poor around me. Maybe I could, but then there's a part of you that just holds back from that because you know deep inside there are things you want. You know that there are things you want for yourself, and you are not willing. You cannot think about that kind of change. You cannot think about giving up things for yourself in order to give to others, in order to support things that will matter for all of eternity. Do you understand? This is a spiritual force in your life, and Jesus cuts right to it here. He says, you cannot serve two masters. In other words, your heart is going to belong to one thing. In this life, your heart will belong to one thing. Your heart can only go one place. You cannot give your heart to God and at the same time give your heart to material things. You can't do it. And if you think you're doing it at this moment, you, you're deceiving yourself. You can't do it. You cannot serve two masters. Well, well I don't think I serve money. I have money. I like having money. I like to buy things. But I, I think in our family, we pretty much got it under control. Well, it's a simple way to test that. Let me just ask you, how easy is it for you to be generous? When there's someone who needs something and they're right in front of you, how easy is it for you to open your purse, open your wallet, and give money to someone? How easy is it for you to turn loose of it? Because if you can't turn loose of it very easily, then it's got a hold of you. You can't serve two masters. You can't love God and money. And let's be honest, in our culture, most of us, we love money. We love money. Fifteen years ago, probably nearly this time of year actually, I got a call from the pastor search committee of Woodburn Baptist Church to see if I'd be interested in coming and being pastor. I was. It was exciting. I sat down with your pastor search committee, some of those people still in this room. 
Thank you for calling me. In, in the last interview with the pastor search committee of Woodburn Baptist Church, one of the ladies in the group just said, let's just get right to it, Tim. If we call you as our pastor, and then somewhere down the road, some other church comes and they offer you 10000 20000 40000 more dollars to come be their pastor, will you leave us and go to them? I said, no, no. I'll always go where, where God wants me to go. I'm, I'm not in this for money. And the committee said, good. We don't want a pastor that's in it for money. Okay, let me tell you something very important. I'm not in, in anything for the money. But you can't be either. Are you listening to me? You can't be either. You shouldn't have a price tag on you either. You should be following the Lord as well. You should only be going where God wants you to go. You should only be buying what God wants you to buy. You need to belong to the Lord too. No one can serve two masters. You, you want a pastor that's not in it for the money? I, I pray you have one. I believe you do. I, I'm just saying that God wants all of his people to be in it for him and not in it for the money. You can't follow both God and, and the money. Let's pray together. Lord, I would be ashamed for the lady in Honduras who gave us the cake to walk into our kitchen and see what's in our pantry. I would be ashamed for her to know how little that cake was worth to us, knowing how much it was worth for her. Lord, it would be hard for us to face most of the people around the world, to look them in the face, Lord, knowing what we have and knowing what they lack. It's just not right. It's just not right, Lord, the way we store up for ourselves so much treasure. Treasure that we can't take with us. Treasure that has no real value other than the way that it could change other people's lives. And, Lord, we just keep it for ourselves because we want it. Lord, the material world has a grip on our hearts and, and we want to say that we're Christians we want to say that we love and follow you but the, Lord the fact is our lives don't reflect that we got bad eyes Lord we look at the world we look at our life as an opportunity to, to get more for ourselves we don't see it as an opportunity an everyday opportunity to give ourselves away God you are the God who looked at the world loved it so much that you gave everything you gave your son Jesus shed his blood you gave everything for the sake of the world and Lord we want everything from the world for our own sakes we're so unlike you and yet we call ourselves by your name Lord Jesus some of us in this house some in the sound of my voice we have divided hearts we we want to try to serve you Lord but we also are very very tied to this material physical world and Lord Jesus I pray that you would set us free 
Set us free from the love of money. Set us free from a fascination with electronic gadgets. Set us free, Lord, from this incredible lust we have after everything we see on TV, Lord. Just set us free so that we can desire only one thing. One thing would be the only thing that really matters, the the only needful thing. And that, O Christ, is you. Let us live for you with an eye toward eternity knowing that nothing down here lasts. We pray these things in Jesus' name.